Welcome, market participants, to another Three Things in Credit. I'm Van Hesser, Chief Strategist at KBRA. Each week, we bring you three things impacting credit markets that we think you should know about. We're coming off of a week that had the highest number of U.S. dollar investment grade issuers ever, 57, which printed $81 billion in total. You're allowed to be exhausted, but in the immortal words of pre-GFC Citigroup CEO Chuck Prince, as long as the music is playing, you've got to get up and dance. All right, let's get started. This week, our three things are, one, GAP's sensible liability and cash management through the COVID period has put it on a more creditworthy path. Two, a historically strong consensus of Americans believe the country is in bad shape. How does that square up with buoyant financial markets? And three, fading inflation. This is a good week for those in the transitory camp, and that's good for risk assets. All right, let's dig a bit deeper. GAP Inc.'s Sensible Liability Management. At the height of pandemic uncertainty in April 2020, GAP raised $2.25 billion in three secured tranches, all with 8% plus coupons to shore up its liquidity. The company also deferred its dividend to shareholders and suspended some rent payments. It also drew down its revolver. Its actions were hardly unusual. This past week, the company raised $1.5 billion of unsecured notes, $750 million of an eight-year at 3 and 5 eighths percent, and $750 million of a 10-year at 3 and 7 eighths. Proceeds will be used to buy back that much more expensive debt issued in 2020 via a tender offer. The company is also seeking investor approval to release certain restrictive covenants. Now, apart from navigating the challenges of the pandemic, GAP has been restructuring its business, resizing and sharpening the definition of its brands, and building out its digital and supply chain capabilities. All of that takes cash. Management's first priority, as stated in a recent analyst meeting, is, quote, always to invest in the business to make sure that we are fueling the growth for the future, unquote. Now, that means allocating $800 million of capital this year to higher return projects. But there's sensible balance in evidence in terms of operating within its cash flows. Last month, the Bank of England published a staff working paper by Bruno Albuquerque entitled Corporate Debt Booms, Financial Constraints, and the Investment Nexus, which found a clear link between corporate debt booms and weaker future investment. No surprise, firms that load up on debt invest much less in their business than those that don't, according to the research. Now, gap management seems to understand this. Again, in management's words, we are always considering the right capital structure for the company. And over time, what's the best way to delever and restructure so that we have the right capital structure to be able to build for the long term? Now, true to form, management has adopted a more conservative dividend policy and is on track to reduce leverage below three times. It has also restructured its fixed cost base and reduced its debt burden. Credit markets have responded favorably with five-year CDS at 132 basis points, about where it was pre-pandemic and well inside levels of 2016-17 under previous management. Building a durable business in the world of fashion and retailing is plenty challenging, but management seems to have gotten its financial risk nicely under control. And as mentioned earlier, GAP is hardly the only firm doing this. 
All right, on to our second thing, rising dissatisfaction. The survey period was from August 3rd to September 7th, which witnessed the fall of Afghanistan and the surge in the Delta variant. But 69% is the highest reading since the Euro crisis, except for the week of January 9th, the immediate aftermath of the attack on the U.S. Capitol. The number tends to hover around 50%, so the current state of affairs is, well, pretty bad. When asked about the most important issue facing the country today, it's a mixed bag. The coronavirus is cited most often at 36%, but that means that two-thirds of the country think it's something else, and the only thing pulling higher than 10% is the economy at 20%. So broadly speaking, a lot of dissatisfaction stems from our dysfunctional politics and diminishing civility toward one another. Now, you would think that such misery and concern would reflect in financial markets, which is clearly not the case with stocks continuing to set all-time highs and credit spreads at or near post-GFC tights. And what's clearly bolstering financial markets is Washington's helicopter money and super-accommodative Fed, which have been instrumental in fueling very strong corporate earnings. So what are investors concerned about? For insight into that, we turn to Deutsche Bank's latest investor poll, the surveys of which came out this week. The biggest risk to market stability? New variants that bypass vaccines, cited by 53% of respondents. If we include three other COVID-related responses, uneven global vaccination campaign, waning vaccine efficacy, and long-term structural consequences of the shock, we get another 48%, bringing COVID-related fears up to 101%. Now, I should point out the responders were asked to provide their top three risks, so that accounts for the numbers north of 100%. Now, as an aside, we found it astounding, and we have said so on previous versions of the podcast, that the broad consensus among economists and strategists back in the summer was that COVID risks did not present a material risk to their forecasts. We've had a different view. Inflation came in as the second most worrisome risk in the DB poll, cited by 52% of respondents. Weaker-than-expected economic growth came in third at 32%. The outlook for risk assets? Concerning, given that 68% of respondents believe that there will be a correction in the equity market of at least 5% by year-end, though only 10% believe the correction will be greater than 10%. That sentiment squares up with what we saw in the Wall Street Journal this week, where an article highlighted growing negative sentiment toward equities at Morgan Stanley, Citigroup, DB, and Bank of America, among others. Morgan Stanley believes cash will outperform U.S. equities, government bonds, and credit over the next 12 months. Cash. Ouch. All right, on to our third thing, fading inflation. This is a good week for Fed Chair Powell. August CPI report fell right in line with Powell's transitory narrative, and it follows July's similar read, marking a true fact pattern. The headline figure rose 0.3%, a tenth below consensus, while the core rose just 0.1%, the smallest rise since February, and well below the consensus forecast of 0.3%. COVID-related downward pressure was seen in plummeting airline fares, down 9.1%, and falling hotel rates. Used car prices have finally settled down, falling for the first time since February. Overall, core goods growth moderated to 0.3%, the lowest since March, and core services growth was flat for the first time since the beginning of the year. Now, we certainly wouldn't declare victory as supply chain disruptions remain, 
and the jury remains out on all important wage pressures. Now, we don't lose sight of the Fed because getting the tightening cycle wrong is the number one cause of recessions. According to a chart we saw from MUFG, using Wall Street Journal and Capital Economics data, of the 46 recessions in G7 countries since 1960, 29 have been triggered by monetary policy tightening. And the fact of the matter is that many other catalysts, bursting of credit and housing bubbles and banking crises, are usually related to tighter monetary conditions. So getting this right is critical to engineering a soft landing as economic growth normalizes, i.e. slows, over the next six quarters. And for what it's worth, market implied probability of a Fed hike in rates by year-end 2022 has now dropped to 74% based on Fed funds futures contracts down from 100% earlier this year. Plenty of runway to allow consumers and businesses to adjust to the next normal would be ideal. And that looks like what we'll get, and that should support market sentiment toward risk assets, stocks and credit, well into 2022. So there you have it. Three things in credit. One, GAP's sensible liability and cash management through the COVID period has put it on a more creditworthy path. Two, despite Americans' historically high dissatisfaction with the way things are going, financial markets' singular focus on strong corporate earnings is keeping stocks and credit well bid. And three, fading inflation. This was a good week for those in the transitory camp, and that's good for risk assets. As always, thanks for joining us. Don't forget to check in on KBRA.com for our latest rating reports and research. See you next week.